two. One. Barbecue. Three, two, one. Barbecue. Three, two, one. Barbecue. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Barbecue 321 Pitmaster Interviews. Today we are talking with Bill Purvis of Chicken Fried Barbecue. We caught up with Bill in July and got him to share insights from his experience on Barbecue USA, the camaraderie with his barbecue family, and his competitive journey, including his strategies, challenges, and tips on cooking that perfect brisket with high quality Wagyu meat. Whether you're a barbecue enthusiast or just curious, Bill's story is sure to inspire. Let's dive in. Episode 8. Barbecue. Barbecue, three, two, one. All right, so we're here with Chicken Fry Barbecue, Master Bill Purvis. Thanks for being here. No, thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me, for sure. So. Now, you are, you know, what they say, part of our barbecue family. We started this journey shooting Barbecue USA over a year ago, or almost two years yep. ago now, and you were one of the first teams we followed, and I feel like every time we go out, we see you. You're like, you're everywhere. <laughs> I do feel, and it's been said from the barbecue community on season one, there was lots of exposure on me. There was lots of exposure on my cook trailer, on my cookers. They've got my logo on it. I had tons of emails from people asking me, where do I get cookers like that? Where do I get drums? So there was, when the episode aired, I definitely got flooded with lots of people going to my website, following me on social media and asking a lot of questions. So, so it was yeah. a good experience, or at least afterwards, it was a good experience for you. Man, it was a great experience. And I think you guys, man, having us, like I said, I was filmed at Cedar Park, the first episode that I was on, and we were all right there together. And your camera crews were bouncing around. And man, I had guys in my trailer, out of my trailer, but it kept me as a cook focused because I wasn't jaw jacking, talking to other people. So I was probably more focused on my cook with the cameras around than I would be if there weren't any cameras. And um, I was probably more on my A game being filmed than I would be not being filmed. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I think some people feel like the films add a little extra pressure, but on a whole, most people say, look, it really, they don't, we don't get in the way. We're more fly on the wall and let you guys do your thing. But that's great that it actually kept you more focused. Yeah, and it was very much a fly on the wall. I've had teams say, oh, I wouldn't want to be a film, and I wouldn't be able to concentrate. And then you guys, like I said, the camera crews, everybody was great, and they were like a fly on the wall. You knew they were there, but they didn't mess up my cook at all. So any of my so, results were straight on. So Cedar Fest was the first time we met up with you. Have you been back to Cedar Fest? Did you go back this year? I did. I went back this year, and all of us went back. <laughs> For the most part, Brad was there. Corey was there. We were all there. And actually, Brad won it this last year. Uh, <laughs> and he's now, where are they now? You're late, Brad. We but hear yeah. that a lot. We hear that when we film somebody and they don't place. And the next week, they get a top call and they're That's like, right. why weren't you filming me now? <laughs> right. <laughs> Let me ask you about that. At Cedar Fest, you guys had a very strong bond. Out of, out of most of the festivals we go to, everyone knows each other, but you guys seem to like really know each other. Do you guys tend to travel together? How did that kind of come up? In Texas, there's two different, basically, arms. There's Texas, and then there's the rest. There's KCBS, which covers the rest of the world. And Texas, we have our own sanctioning bodies. And then, of course, KCBS covers pretty much the rest of the world. And people like Phil, me, Fred, we've all been at the top of the Texas sanctioning bodies. And we've all ventured out and scored well and done well in KCBS because, basically, when COVID hit, Texas shut down, but there were still KCBS contests that were going on. So 
me and Phil and Fred kind of traveled and we started picking off and started winning some of those. And of course, Brad's been at the top of KCBS, but it just so happens that we talk to these guys and we're we become family and friends. So we, this weekend, Brad is filming me. I'm doing a port tell-all class at a comp for Brad's barbecue league. It's a subscription-based and there's, man, he's got a, probably a couple thousand pitmasters that are in there. And I've done a chicken tell-all, Brad's done ribs and another guy, Chris Schaefer, he's done brisket. This weekend, he wants me to do a CBA pork because they have pork for KCBS. But this weekend, Brad's hired a camera guy that's going to sit in my trailer and film me doing at a comp in Seguin right outside of San Antonio. But man, we're all good friends. We all try to help each other out. The biggest thing with you guys, and this was pretty amazing, I thought, for our casting department in the first time. We ended up picking people that are always, there's a lot of top people that we pick. Yeah, Some yeah. shows we go to and, and people don't place at all. And yeah. and that's fine too. I like actually like seeing the stories because it's sure. a whole different perspective. But sure. you guys are consistent and you in particular have this, this winning streak. I, I know there's no secret and you can't really tell me a secret, but what is your opinion on that? Like, how did you get to the point where you just have a, your finger on the pulse? I mean, there's obviously a lot of different elements of it, but it, it starts with meat having the right meat because when you go pick out a steak at a grocery store man they're categorized you've got prime you've got choice you've got select and they're different price points as far as man if you want a filet and you want it to be prime it's going to be a lot more expensive but for ribs and pork man they're just all in a big bin there's no category and i've had different meat markets that have sponsored me at different times even butchers and they can't pick out the kind of meat that i'm looking they don't know the difference between a good rack of ribs and a meat, a marginal rack of ribs, man, picking out the meat to me is huge. And you only get that from experience. If you take the wrong meat, you're taking a knife to a gunfight. And in Texas, everything is judged with knife and fork, a a cheap plastic knife and a cheap fork. So you have to know how the barbecue is going to be judged because man, I'll take a four pound slab of, of St. Louis cut ribs, which it's a really thick rib and I've got to dig through a lot of ribs to find something that's four pounds and lots of marble that when a judge goes in there, they're going to get plenty. It's going to be easy for them to get plenty of meat. Yeah. And then of course, cooking every weekend and turning in, trying to nail the actual tenderness because the flavors and all that, that's all, man, that's very subjective. But if you turned in something that melts in someone's mouth, nine times out of 10, as long as it's not a flavor that's really annoying or something really outlashes that's going to turn somebody off. I don't cook with a lot of spice. It's not a lot of heat. It's just very, I try to be very in the middle, but make it super tender and juicy to where, to me, it's a tenderness contest at the end of the day. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to add a little duck fat. <laughs> I love that. That was the first time we saw that was you yeah. using the duck the fat duck spray. Fat, yeah. yeah. And there's tons of guys that use it. And especially on the yeah. steak, if you ever get doing the steak, a lot of those guys use it as well. Yeah. I know Michael yeah. uses it now. Michael at home, he has a can of duck fat. Does he? <laughs> and it showed up on the Today Show with Seacrest as well. They played the clip of me and Michael talking about the duck fat. And I had people like screenshot and send me, hey, man, you're on the Today Show. I'm like, oh, wow. But that was pretty cool. So, that was cool. That yeah. was cool. That definitely left an impression. You're doing this full time now. Yeah. And you have been for a little while. Yeah. So there is that consistency. But when you first started out, how did you get to that point where you're like, this is the rib that I want. This is the exact texture. There's a lot of us barbecue guys offer classes. And even now I have a class online and it's 
And I've had it online since Christmas and I've sold over a hundred full access classes. And man, they got a little private Facebook group where all these guys and people are posting their results and their rib results, their grand champions and all that people that have, it's shit six hundred it's five hundred ninety nine dollars. So it's not the casual backyard guy that's taking this class. Yeah. It's guys that want to walk. But that was the same for me. I took Brad's class. I took mm. Bill's class. I took Fred's class. All three of those guys. I've sat inside their classes. Now they haven't all sat inside of each other's. <laughs> yeah. I was early on. I took Phil's first, then Fred's, then Brad's and picked up different parts from each one of those classes. And of course, incorporated into stuff that I'm doing because you want to make things your own. You don't want to exactly just copy everything. But to me, and that's been the thing for a lot of guys that have been successful is taking a barbecue class from somebody man that has a proven track record and is maybe using the same kind of cookers you're using because cooking at home for your family and friends, your wife, your mom, all those people are going to tell you that your barbecue is great, but putting it to judges and having judges tell you it's great is a whole different story. But you know, those guys taught me a lot. Even today, Phil is Phil, Brad, Fred, those three guys are, are definitely guys that if I'm struggling with something, but they'll do the same to me. They'll ask me, hey, what sauce are you using on brisket? When they see me hit a first, and man, we tell each other. Yeah. If I don't win, I want one of my friends to win. You know? Yeah, so, sure. Uh, it definitely is that friendly competition vibe going on. So when was the decision to go full-time in this world? So I was a vice president of a shipping company. And when COVID hit, we did it. That was our core business was international oil field. We were shipping to rigs around the world. But when all the flights got canceled, because all of our parts that we would ship for people would go on passenger aircraft and the bellies of passenger aircraft a lot of times. So when that whole thing fell and our revenues went from we were a, a small company, probably I think we did about 110 million a year and we went down to projected to do maybe 15 million a year. Yeah. I was a VP. I was one of the highest paid guys at the the Houston branch and cost cutting in order to save the company. We had a discussion and I left with a good buyout. And at that time, man, I was doing really well in barbecue. I just had a month where I think I'd made over 10 grand and uh, just in prize money. So I was selling my rub. My rub was selling good. So I was getting money from that. And my wife's got a decent enough job to where, Hey man, maybe we can come out with a couple of different rubs and actually do barbecue full time because I enjoy it. I actually love it. So we started doing that. And so far it's been great. I've released, like I said, I did these online classes. So, and that's money every month. We released it two weeks before Christmas and we sold $17,000 in the wow. first two weeks. That's so great. other cooks have done well and they're posted on Facebook as well going, Hey, got my first grand champion. And thanks a lot to chicken fried barbecues, tell all classes. Wow. And that was the thing is I had to go in there and go, man, I'm going to tell these guys the truth of everything I do because man, if I go in there with just some bull crap recipes and leave out different parts that really separate or make my barbecue better, eh, it's not going to sell much. People will take it one time and our little community that we have, word gets out pretty quick. Yeah. I've been fortunate enough that I keep getting sales on it and it's uh, preventing me from having to go get a real job. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is a real job. I find it fascinating when I talk to you guys that are holding down a nine to five and doing the barbecue on the weekend. That's yeah. crazy to me because just being part of the week, the few weekends that I've been there, it's a lot. It's a lot yeah. to do. It's yeah. You think, oh, they're just cooking barbecue and drinking beer. But it's not. And you're not getting a lot of sleep and you're a lot of travel time and to hit the job Monday morning. I think that would really wear you down. 
No, uh, for sure. There's no way when I was doing it working, man, I was just doing local comps around the house. Being unemployed and looking at prize money, then it was like, okay, and Mississippi's paying out 15 grand. The one, two hours from the house is only paying out five grand. Man, I'll go to Mississippi. If you're going to cook and get lucky, I want to get lucky where there's decent money. Yeah. We talked to Phil at LC and he was saying, if he breaks even in competition, that's a good year. Percentage wise, like where does the money come from? Is it now you got the classes, you have the rubs, you have sponsorship. Um, is it just a mixed bag of all of that? It is a mixed bag. I'm trying to up my social media and trying to build out a little YouTube studio so I can do YouTube and actually sell more rubs through that outlet because there's just so many different ways. And of course, I've got, I've got a lot of sponsors that really help out. So that offsets the cost. I've got wool. They send me all the charcoal I need. I've got Midland meat. They send me all the briskets I need. So I'm not paying for briskets. I got another meat market that supplies me with pork and ribs and chicken. So for me, luckily, and I think a lot of it because I did qualify for the Jack, although Royal Oak and Midland Meat and a lot of those guys were with me before I got my seven. But in the barbecue community, that's a big deal to get seven. Yeah. You know, I don't think any other team so far this year, and they have until the end of July. That's when it cuts off. There are a lot of teams sitting on five. Some teams are sitting, I think there may be one or two guys that are sitting on six, but so far I'm the first guy and the only guy right now that have seven GCs that will auto into the Jack Daniels. Yeah, no, it's a huge accomplishment. When we met up with you, and I guess I didn't say at the top of the show, you have a part in Barbecue USA season two. All the people will be <laughs> jealous of you. You got your two seasons right. of Barbecue USA. But at Operation Smoke Show in Louisiana, you were still in the race to get your. I was uh, sitting at five. I was sitting yep. at five. Yeah. Yep. And I thought that was a pretty interesting thing. We talked a little bit about it with Phil at LC about getting those right. seven and what yep. a big deal it is. But what? So now yeah, that's kind of like a bucket list thing. You, you got that off the list. You're going to the Jack. This is your first time to the Jack? First time to cook it. Cook it. At, yeah. Under my team name. So last year, Phil got seven. Yep. And he invited me to go with him. So I went with him. And the year before that, Fred had won the American Royal. And winning the American Royal is an auto to the jack. So Fred had asked me to go with him. So I went with Fred two years ago. Then last year, I went with Phil. So this will be the first time that, be my third time there, but my first time to cook it under my name. And Fred's going to come with me. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. So he'll be there with me just to, to help if anything, hey, hold this or do this or whatever. So. Yeah, But more of it's for everybody to socialize and have a good time. Yeah, when we ran into you guys at Memphis, we didn't film with you, but we, and you yeah. got up on stage for yep. for that team. What you got up for? We got, it was a come and eat it, and we got second place in the beef category, which that was Fred. Fred just cooked me. Fred cooked the brisket. So we got, we tied for first place with, so we got on stage for brisket, and then we cooked whole hog, and we were seventh place in whole hog. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was great seeing uh, you guys walk. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's a good time. But that was Grant Pinkerton. I don't know if a Pinkerton's barbecue, but we were cooking for his team. He's a Texas guy as well. Yep. A comp cook and he owns a couple of barbecue restaurants. Yep. Uh, yeah. But yeah. And we haven't filmed with him. We see his name everywhere. He's always around. I think Food Network has filmed with him before. Or maybe his restaurant or something. He's been on a couple of shows, I think. So Yeah. So what is next? You've had a really good year going yep. for you. Obviously, you got the jack coming up. When you start planning your year, what do you else do you have to accomplish this year, and what are you looking at for next year? I want to win a major. 
I won San Antonio Rodeo, which was man, it's close to 300 teams. And most people consider that a major or a world championship. So there's a lot of folks that consider it a world championship. But, and I probably do. There was international teams there. It was like I said, 300 teams. And it was a big win. And that actually, that win gives me a spot at the Houston Rodeo, Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. So they have a small little section called Champions Row. And on Champions Row, it's a fenced-in area with police because most of Houston is big party teams. It's more party than the actual Royal. I don't know if you saw like the seaboard tent where it's a big private party and they've taken up like six spaces. Houston Rodeo is a lot like that where a guy like me can't cook it unless I'm cooking for a corporate team like United Airlines or you can't just go register for it. There's a 10-year waiting list. Unless you give them 50 or or $100,000, then you could probably get a spot. But they do give a spot to the winner of San Antonio Rodeo, the winner of Austin Rodeo, the winner of the Jack Daniels, and the winner of the American Royal. And then the previous winner of the Houston Rodeo. So there's five teams that get a little fenced-in area, and they call it Champions Row. I'm hearing a season three idea here for barbecue. Man, it's the winners of all the big majors. And actually... I won San Antonio and Austin. So the winner of San Antonio gets a spot and the winner of Austin Rodeo because Austin Rodeo was maybe 220 teams or something like that. So what, did you get a double spot? Man, I think they're going to pass it down to the reserve grand champion. But, man, I don't know. I may have been the only team ever to win two of the spots in one year to go to Houston. So Houston's on my list. Obviously, I would love to win Houston Rodeo. It's my hometown. I'm born and raised in Houston, but – you're going to be going to that? Yeah, I have a spot. I'll be so that's, on Champions That's February, Road. right? Or, February. Yeah. February. Yep. We wanted to shoot that. We, I think it's the same weekend as the Food and Wine Festival in Miami. Is it? And Michael Simon always goes there, so we weren't able to schedule. It, right. it, it was a conflict in the schedule. But the Houston one has always been on our radar as one that we need to get to. This year, the only people that are for sure on Champions Row is the winner of last year, which is a guy named Trey Whitehead. He won Houston last year. I get on it because San Antonio's already happened, but the winner of the Royal this year and the winner of the Jack this year get a spot in February. Wow. And those contests haven't happened yet. So we'll see who's on Champions Row with me as far as whoever wins the Royal or whoever wins the Jack. Yeah. And I'd love to win the Jack, though. (laughs) Yeah. That would be three spots on Champions Row. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There's your here's your ultimate goal. Just get every spot on Champions Row. (laughs) And say, man, do I even have to cook it? You just can't you just give me the trophy? Can I just hang out? That's awesome. Congrats. But that's on on my list is whether it happens this year or next year, I'll just keep grinding. If I don't win the jack this year. Man, I'll try to get seven next year again and try to get there. Do you think you'd ever head a team at Memphis? Memphis is a long way away for yeah. me because it, it's just, it's really expensive. Yeah. The Jack's not going to cost me much. The Royal, man, I just registered today for the Royal and it's just barely over a thousand bucks. Yeah. From talking to some of the guys, man, I was with at Memphis this year. I think Memphis pays 25 grand if you win it. And the team, one of the teams I was talking to and just hearing is, man, even if they win Memphis, they still lose 15 or 20 grand. Yeah, it's a lot of the expenses. So my brain's not that I would love to because I think I could do. That's the other thing is I think I could do really well at Memphis if I had my own team and could do it. But, man, financially, it's just not in the cards for me to go spend 20 or 30 or 40 grand. Yeah. 
you need to get but some it's serious. On the list. If the brand gets big enough and I start selling enough rub, I definitely would be at Memphis. Otherwise, yeah. I'll just help teams and get recruited. It's fine enough. No, look, you're one of the most winningest teams we followed. And everywhere right. we look, we see your name hitting. And that actually is a surprise to me. You haven't won those yet. Yeah. So I'll be cheering you on in the background for Jack Dan. But Jack Dan's the one we wanted to go to. But I'm fairly new too, Nick. Like I'm not, yeah. I've only been cooking maybe, I haven't, it hasn't been four years yet. Yeah. So I've been cooking a lot growing up and in my backyard, but as far as competition, it's probably been maybe three and a half, almost four years. Yeah. So I've competed at the American Royal twice, which my first year I got a perfect score in chicken and a 10th place brisket. And then last year I got no calls when you guys were filming yeah. and ended up eighth overall with a 700, which 700 is a great score in KCBS. Oh yeah. So Brad had three walks and ended up seventh overall. I had no walks and ended up eighth overall, but every one of my walks was right outside the top 25. Yep. So every one of my, I didn't bomb any meat for me to, we were sitting there my wife's like, we're not going out to eat with anybody because we didn't get any calls. She was, yeah. we're not going out to eat. We're just going to pack up and go home. And they started calling the top 10 and they got down and called me for eighth overall. And it was like, Corey, I don't know if you remember Corey Mike's Fat Boys yeah. Barbecue. Sure. Him and Fred were sitting behind me and they called me for eighth overall. Man, I flew out of my seat or whatever. Super excited because I wasn't expecting it. And then the next call, they called Brad for seventh overall. And Brad had three calls. Brad's expecting to potentially win it with three out of the four meets being yeah. called. Wow. And Corey was like, man, what a difference in motion. Bill is eighth overall with no calls. He's over the moon. Brad is seventh overall with three calls. And man, he feels like somebody just shot his dog. So, what I mean, what, so what was it like? One meat just tanked him? Just yeah, Brad had a meat that just killed him. Yeah. And my meats were all within the, I think the top between 25 and 50. Yeah. Out of, out of 500 teams. So yeah, that's the thing with the Royal that we noticed. And even yeah. the teams we were following, none of them placed all that high. A couple of them hit the ancillaries and, and other things, but I got, got a call, but yeah. it's in near impossible. You're going up against that many teams. It's a bit of a roll of the dice. You could do great the night before at the invitational and then come out of the yeah. open. And the guy well. that reserved it, I think he had a 10th place chicken and that's all he had. And he got reserved yeah. grand and he was only, Man, three points ahead of me because it was really tight in the scoring. Yeah. He scored a 703 and I scored a 700 and he was reserve grant. So it was like super, super tight as yeah. far as from second place down to eighth place. That that contest to me was the most different as far as just having that many right. teams. You can't really get in there. So I've gone off script of what I normally ask people just because okay. it's been fun talking to you. <laughs> but, okay. but, but I have one more question before we get on uh -huh. script. What, what about international stuff? Have you talked about doing that? Do you have any interest in doing that? Brad went to Costa Rica yeah. last, I guess, a couple of months ago. And my wife wants to go to Costa Rica, and they've got a comp there. I think next year we will try doing maybe Costa Rica. It's just difficult for me to, as I get more and more popular, which you guys have helped that a lot. Being on Barbecue USA has definitely helped it. To Brad's pretty popular within the barbecue community. And he can put a post out there. Hey, I'm going to go to Costa Rica. Does anybody have cookers I can borrow? And there'll be people that will, you know, that he's traveled. He's done it for so long, too, that he knows people that he can. When he came down this last year in Texas, he just flew in. So yeah. Brad can fly in a lot of places because he's done it a lot and just borrow equipment. Whereas yeah. At someday, I would like to get to that point where I can just fly to Australia or whatever and just borrow equipment because I can't. I can't bring my drums with me, but yeah, that's definitely on my list for sure. 
Australia is a big one. I get a, I got a decent following in Australia. They're pretty big. Yeah, they're big. Yeah. Yeah. So and I was uh, talking to I know, Matt Barber at Hot Wachula's. Yeah, Matt. Yeah. And, and he was saying he, he's been doing a couple of the European ones. Yeah. Yeah. And he said they have a good follow. They treat barbecue guys like rock stars over there. They do. Yeah. And I know Matt for sure. Yeah. But yeah, there's comps in Italy. It would be cool to go do that. You yeah. Know, I just got to right now. My I'm chasing that Jack. I'm chasing, yeah. I want to chase another world champion, if you will, just to back up San Antonio Rodeo. But it's definitely on my list to travel. And my wife would love that more than anything. She's Australia's on her bucket list. Yeah. She no, would love great. to go. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, that'd be fun. I really, and selfishly for our show, I would love to figure out a way to get, get an international episode oh, or two cool. in there. That would yeah. be cool. Yeah, and maybe really. bring some of you guys along. It would be great. Uh, that would be great. That would be awesome. So anyway, the thing I always ask people, I go for my top tips. So just uh-huh. one, if you could give somebody one tip in the four meats, what would that be? A top tip chicken. So top tip for chicken. Whew. Chicken's such a big animal, but uh, it's definitely, if you're talking KCBS, because they're different, half chicken is CBA, KCBS. Man, I would cook it. A lot of newcomers think you cook chicken to 165. Most of the guys that are cooking thighs on KCBS, they're cooking their thighs to over 200 degrees on internal temp. So I'll right. cook my thighs to 204 or 205, which most people outside of competition barbecue would think that, man, that's just crazy. That's just your way over cooking it. But dark meat can handle a lot. Yeah. And as both episodes on Alabama and Cedar Park, I got first place chicken. In both of those episodes. And they were cooked to about 205 on the internal temp. So, How do you do with chicken overall? Because when I see your name in there and you're in the chicken contest, I'm like, oh, Bill's got this. <laughs> chicken is one of the name chicken fried barbecue, but chicken's usually been one of my stronger meats for sure, especially yeah. in KCBS. But even in IBCA, I've done well, or CBA, I've done well at chicken. But oh, it well, is one of those meats that... Man, it's tricky, man. It can bomb you. Chicken can take on so many different flavors. And a little bit of a spoiler alert in the Operation Smoke Show where we filmed you, you didn't do too well in chicken. And Louisiana, I I can't do, I can't figure out Louisiana chicken. Those boys in Louisiana, man, they've got something different. Brady, he is a chicken cooking machine. And after that show, we were like, he was like, man, I really would learn your brisket. And I'm like, man, I'll trade you my chicken for your brisket. So <laughs> we kind of talked after that show. We never got around to doing it, but I think I live too close to Louisiana for him to give me his chicken recipe. So. <laughs> yeah, it was dangerous. Yeah, yeah. All right, what's your top tip for uh, ribs? Man, buy big meat, meaty, thick ribs with lots of rocks of candy cane, white marbling through them. You get, and then it's just a tenderness. If you're cooking in Texas or Louisiana, you need to overcook them because they're judging with a knife and fork and they're not looking for that perfect bite. KCBS a little bit different. You got to pull back and it needs to be a perfect bite. You can't necessarily overcook them in KCBS. Yeah. But thick marbled ribs for sure. All right. So, Top tip, pork shoulder. Sauce. Make it saucy. Ah. Sauce. You think you've got enough sauce on it? Put a little more sauce on it. So. Is that a new thing or has that been a thing that's changed or have I you been in the game? With pork and with all of it, really a tip for all of it is hot food beats cold food. So the longer you can, if you can adjust your timeline with your cook to where you've all, we've all ordered Domino's pizza and it comes in a, it comes in a little cardboard box and when it gets to your house, it's hot. And that's usually because they've taken it right out of the oven and they put it in that little box. 
and then they put it in that insulated carrier and it gets to your house. And whether it's 20 or 30 minute drive from Domino's, it's hot. And I see guys in say IBCA, they've got a 10 minute window before and a 10 minute window after that's 20 minutes. And I've watched people walk past my trailer with their styrofoam container of ribs and it's 10 minutes before turn in because that's when the window opens and they're turning it in. Yeah. You want to be at the tail end of that window. You want your food to go into that clamshell and close it yep. to where it keeps that heat in because ribs, especially ribs, ribs will dry out and they'll get cold quicker than, and I try to fill the box full of meat yeah. to keep the mass and keep it all warm. So there's a bunch of little bitty, like I said, hot food beats cold food. And I've even had comments before where say on pork, I had a comment, man, this is the first hot piece of pork we've tried all day. So if they're sitting at a table and there's six trays going and everybody's giving them cold food and you give them hot food, you've got an advantage. Yep. No, that's so, good. I like that. That's a good tip. Yeah. All right. Top tip brisket. Top tip brisket. Tender, 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 man. And meat quality again. Cook a Wagyu. You can score with primes and I've scored with primes, but uh, man, I got better shots with Wagyu. And there are lots of guys that cook primes, but uh, I have to say that I think a Wagyu is going to score more times than not. When I was on Smoke Show and got first place brisket, that was a 20 pound Wagyu brisket. And I knew walking it in there, man, these guys are in trouble. Now you don't say anything. You don't want to jinx yourselves, but it was super tender and Mike Steele. I don't know if you remember yeah. Mike Steele. Yeah, pigs and cows. He, he, he was really impressed with his brisket and he gave me a piece and I tried it and I said, okay, I'll go get you a piece of mine. I tried it. He was, man, you're the only brisket that's going to beat me. And sure enough, we finished one, two in brisket. You yeah. Know, he was second place and I was first. So. Yeah. Now I remember I, I, and you're not the first person to say this too. I was just got off with Matt Barber again and he was like, you got to go Wagyu. You a do. Wagyu, he's going to always walk over a prime. It will. It will. There's some contests. I'm in Texas, so there is a lot of, we get a little, some small little town contest that sometimes it may be okay to take a prime if it's 20 or 30 teams and it's in a small little remote town. But man, if you're going up against 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 teams, yeah, man, you better bring a wagon. How do you feel on ancillaries? Any top tips on ancillaries or do you stay away from them? I pretty much stay. They don't count towards grand champion. So although this year, my wife, I was signing up today for the Royal because I think the end of the month is the cutoff. Uh, yeah. And they got all the ancillaries, like 20 bucks a piece. I said, hey, babe, you want to do beans or vegetables? She goes, sign us up for dessert. I may try dessert this year. So yeah, right. if there's ancillaries, it's going to be my wife. It's not yeah. going to be me. You know, um, it, it is a polarizing thing. Some people love them and some people are just like, no. Man, there's a good thought too that, hey, it's a chance to hear your name called. Uh, yeah. So load up on them, even if you just throw any old beans in the box or because some I've known people that have bought potato salad from Restaurant Depot and have walked at the Royal with it. But that's not me. I'm not going to go down to Restaurant Depot and put something in a box that I didn't cook. That's just bad mojo yeah. to me. It's bad mojo. And I'm not a, I, mean, I don't really cook potato salad that well. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stick to what I do. Totally. All right. Last real question here. What's one thing you wish someone had told you when you were getting started out in barbecue? Man, how much it was going to cost. <laughs> it's expensive. <laughs> Is mean, that your I advice got, to somebody starting out? Just save man, your money. You better have a lot of money because before you start buying porch trailers and I just bought another new rig because my wife wants one with a bathroom. And so she wants one with a shower and a bathroom. So we just spent another 
$35,000 on a used rig to have one to take to the world that has a shower and a bathroom. My current rig, you've seen it, it's small and it's just a bed and a cooking cooking area. But yeah, it's, uh, but there's a lot of sports that cost a lot of money. Drag racing, showing pigs or barrel racing, any of that stuff. It's all expensive. Yeah. The one thing about barbecues, man, they give you trophies and they give you cash sometimes to go home with. So where can we find all your stuff? So chicken fried BBQ on all the social media, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, it's all chicken fried BBQ. And it's the same as my website, which is chicken fried BBQ. But yep. I'm probably on the social media, the Facebook and Instagram the most, as well as TikTok. Right. But it's all and then chicken your classes, fried BBQ. your classes on chicken fried BBQ too? My classes are on a website called Barbecue Champs Academy. Yep. That's so, with Mike Steele, right? Mike Steele is the, he's the mastermind behind it. He's got about, I think probably about maybe 10 or 12 different world champions on there that all have different classes. So he's adding, he's adding more and more. There's a couple more pit masters. I think he's releasing another one this weekend. And one of the guys that you've already filmed, he's going to, he's going to be on there. I won't mention his name just because I don't think I'm allowed to. <laughs> I'll mention it after your recording is over. <laughs> yeah. We're going we're gonna to talk to Mike, hopefully here in a little bit. He's in a later episode, actually the episode you're in when Operation yeah. Smoke Show. That'll be airing later in the year, which is great. Great. Look, congrats on everything. Good luck with all the future stuff. Good luck at the Jack. I can't wait to see you on this second season of Barbecue USA, which starts July 10th is our premiere. Yep. But you'll be in a fourth or fifth episode in that, which is great. Nice. And uh, always great talking to you. So thanks for being here. No, perfect, Nick. I appreciate it, man. And uh, man, look forward to watching season two, man. I think uh, you guys have, out of all the barbecue shows, outside of even me being on it, and I think it's a, you guys do a fabulous job. Oh, I really thank think you. that. I love man, doing I mean, it. Man, outside, even like I said, even if I wasn't on it, just the format and how you guys have edited it and put it all together, man, I think it's really good. And I know that's the same sentiment from all the cooks. There was a couple of different shows people were talking about, and Barbecue USA is definitely the one that everybody looks to. I hope people still watch it so we can get out there to the, the champion circle with you. Ed. That would be cool. That would be cool. All right, man. Good talking to you. Barbecue. Three, two, one. Barbecue. Three, two, one. Thank you for listening to Barbecue 321 Pitmaster Interviews. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, subscribe to the podcast or check out bbq321.com. Also be sure to check out Barbecue USA airing Mondays at 10 p.m. on Food Network and streamable on Max.